our state is Googling about Thanksgiving this year. It's kind of fun. We'll get to it at some point. Mm. We've also got somebody uh, reporting right there at the border fence where the caravan has arrived and has been taunting and chucking rocks at Border Patrol. I was told the caravan doesn't exist. It's a creation for the uh, election. That's later this hour. Interesting. Right now we're joined by Emily Saul of the New York Post, who is covering the wild, fascinating El Chapo trial. Emily, welcome. How are you? I'm, I'm quite well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited uh, oh, to, it's, uh, to discuss the case. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Um, it's uh, already what I've read from you and, and some of your colleagues about the trial could fill a short book, and I'm sure that will expand. <laughs> the claims that have been made, the the um, the laying bare of some of the uh, corruption and everything in Mexico is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has struck you so far the most? I mean, one of the things that's truly fascinating about this trial is there have obviously been arrests of, um, you know, high-level members of various cartels, uh, you know, over the last decade. But uh, every everyone so far has, has pleaded guilty. Um, so this is really the first time that we're actually seeing in the U.S. a, a trial where kind of all of these bits and pieces are coming out. Um, and, it, you know, we really run the, uh, the gamut in terms of what we're hearing. We're hearing about bribes to, you know, high-level officials in Mexico, uh, you know, even in uh, the defense's opening statements, um, you know, he accused former and current presidents of uh, being on the cartel dole, uh, and also allegations against, you know, um, DEA, uh, the, the DEA in the United States. Um, so it's really, uh, it's, 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 so far, the uh, sort of the allegations are, are flying uh, left, right, and center. Um, in addition to obviously the uh, the bloody nature of cartel wars and yeah. other things like that. I wanted to so, ask you about that. What's some of the the things we've heard in the courtroom so far about how gruesome El Chapo can be? Well, you know what's what's interesting is that um, you would really expect in a uh, in a we've we've sat for three we've heard three days of testimony so far, and we haven't quite gotten to um, the uh, I guess. The, the brutality you would expect yet. Uh, I think the closest we got so far was um, a cooperating witness is on the stand right now. His name is uh, Jesus uh, Zambada Garcia. He's the younger brother of um, Chapo's uh, alleged business partner, um, Ishmael uh, Zambada Garcia, who the defense is claiming is actually the head of the Sinaloa cartel. Um, no one really knows where he is right now. He, he could be dead. He's probably hiding out somewhere in Mexico. Um, but uh, we heard a tidbit from um, from the witness on the stand right now who was saying that he, he overheard a conversation between Chapo and um, El Mayo in the Sinaloa Mountains in 2005, basically saying that the uh, murder of a longtime cartel rival was, um, it was just his, the, his killing was the most quote, pleasurable thing that had ever happened in his entire life Whoa. or something like that. But we haven't, um, we heard a little bit about a shootout yesterday from this cooperating witness where he said, you know, he was grazed by um, a bullet uh, as a rival cartel tried to kill him while he was in a supermarket. Uh, he talked about a, um, I mean, obviously we're hearing this testimony through a Spanish interpreter, but he seems to have used the word uh, ditch or divot uh, to really describe sort of the amount of, um, the amount of his head that was actually taken away by by the bullet. Um, we fix, it's mostly fix very marks, please, and replace all divots. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know if they want to get into that business, but uh, it's uh, it's it's really it's interesting, and also the uh, sort of cavalier uh, nature with which he's 
he's describing just, you know, deaths. He'll, he'll keep just, you know, he'll sort of sum up something by saying there was, there was a lot of death involved. Um, and he's sort of a funny character. He wears dark, almost mafia-esque glasses. They're, you know, just a regular prescription, but have like a brown lens. And he, he has a little goatee that he strokes while he talks. And <laughs> that's it's almost, too, about all it's the almost death. too good to be true. Exactly. <laughs> so can you describe for the folks, this is Emily Saul of the New York Post on the line. Can you describe for the folks the nature of the defense, what they're counter-accusing? Yeah, so far, um, we, you know, haven't heard a lot from them. We've just heard cross of two, uh, of two law enforcement. Uh, and opening witnesses. statements, too, yeah, though, right? In opening yeah. statements, so in opening, in opening statements, we did hear uh, Defense Attorney Jeffrey Lickman. Basically, I was talking before about, you know, throwing accusations everywhere, just saying that Chapo was, you know, may have been a member of the cartel, uh, but was a low-level operative who was being, you know, scapegoated and was kind of offered up to authorities as, um, you know, just this, this member, while uh, El Mayo, who I mentioned before, was really, you know, behind the scenes plotting um, everything. We, we had a hint of, of that pre-trial, and uh, that was really his, his opening. Um, so far, also, in, in opening statements, he really spent a lot of time uh, bashing the cooperating witnesses who are going to be taking the stand, who are, who, who are all former cartel members. And, he, I mean, he called them gutter human beings. So I think it'll really be a... Um, the thrust of the defense will be, you know, discrediting these these witnesses who have inside knowledge, talking about how violent they are and the crimes they've committed, while trying to paint their, you know, their client as a, a patsy. Well, one of the ways you get away with being El Chapo in Mexico for so long is, um, if you ever get in trouble, you kill the police or the witnesses who are willing to testify you against mm-hmm. you or the journalists who are reporting on you. Uh, or the judge who's, uh, you know, proceeding over the trial, that sort of thing. How are they stopping that from happening in the United States? Or is, is anybody concerned about that? Is there crazy security? The jurors especially. I'm surprised uh-huh. anybody is willing to be on the jury. <laughs> we uh, There's definitely uh, a lot of security uh, surrounding the trial, and there was surrounding pretrial as well. I mean, we have the U.S. Marshal Service here. We have um, specialized units from the New York Police Department. We have um, the court security officers who are on the ground here. Um, pre-trial, there was a lot of litigation about, you know, what would be kept secret, uh, and therefore we really don't know the names of any of the witnesses who will be taking the stand ahead of time. So that's a, a measure of security. Um, we did have some jurors who uh, who expressed, you know, sheer terror uh, were in tears about the idea of serving. And then a, a number of others, actually, who were very... Um, seems very chill about uh, about sitting on this trial. Uh, I mean, they are anonymous. Uh, very, very, very few people know their names, and they're escorted to and from the courthouse by um, by the U.S. Marshal Service. But so they're in plain sight in the courtroom. They are in plain sight in the courtroom. Yeah. They're they're visible. So um, you know, they're sitting maybe thirty feet from Chapo. Who, well, uh, yeah. You know, He's not looking. If he's not looking from, uh, if he's if he's not looking at the witness, he's uh, or his wife who is in the courtroom. He's looking at them. But um, he he mostly. I mean, during jury selection, they had the potential jurors seated at the same table from him, no more than six feet away. Um, but you know, it's if you don't know someone's name, if you don't know anything about them, um, and if their the where like their whereabouts are kept secret, they're. They're hard to find. Um, does uh, looking at El Chapo? Does he just like look like a short old Mexican guy, or does he look like uh, the evil human being that he probably yeah, he, is? He cuts a very unremarkable uh, figure in the courtroom. He, um, you know, he does, certainly doesn't act out. He's he's very respectful, um, 
And I, you know, I've covered a lot of different trials, and there have only been a few people who have really, um, who have really chilled me to my core. Uh, when, Bill Cosby. When <laughs> actually, no, he also is is a uh, he, he doesn't quite have that aspect. Um, but so no, who chilled you, know, you? We need to know who chilled you. Oh, it's, it was a, a Bonanno Capo who is a, a, a reputed Bonanno Capo who is awaiting trial in the same court as as Chapo. Um, but he just a colleague of mine like said he looked like Skeletor, um, and he really was the most terrifying person that I've ever seen. Well, but uh, you well, know, he Chapo probably just, did some very bad stuff. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's likely. Allegedly. But, um, Chapo is uh, is not one of those guys. He, Interesting. Um, he it, does, it, he, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not very emotive. He. Um, I think the most ferocity we've seen from him has been in terms of this cooperating witness. But that extends to the the extent of that is really him crossing his arms and staring at the man the entire time that he testifies. Emily cool. Saul of the New York Post. Uh, Emily, we appreciate the report very much. I hope we can talk again. Absolutely. Would love to be back. Thanks. Well done. I don't know how emotive he'd have to be if he's staring at the witness. The witness knows, okay, he's going to kill my family back in Mexico. Right. The, The way the greatest criminal overlords, the way the greatest spies, the way the greatest serial killers get by. How about that guy who is... um. Recently extradited from California to Texas, they believe this broke yesterday. He may have killed ninety plus people. I haven't heard this. And story. now he's confessing to everything. He's well into his seventies, as I recall. He's an old fella. Wow. He was uh, convicted for murdering three women in California and is serving a life sentence. But he's begun saying, "Oh, I killed a hell of a lot more people than that." And and so now they've extradited him to Texas. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, to get to my point, finally, fry him up the way Texas. The greatest spies, criminal overlords, uh, serial killers get by is they are unremarkable. They aren't monstrous. They are quiet little fellows like Chapo. Mm. And I didn't. Who was who was also probably extremely intelligent and very very calculating. I didn't want to argue with our reporter. She's really good and very nice. But you gonna tell me El Chapo couldn't have people in the courtroom who could figure out who those people are based on looking at them or figuring out where they're going or what car they get into or something like that. Of course well, they could. Yeah, yeah. That's what they do. That's what he's been doing for Look decades. how quickly people are figured out from like a picture oh, that yeah. gets posted on Twitter. Oh, within, yeah. within 24 hours, the internet has solved who this person is. Yeah, right. it has your junior high picture right. posted. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure extraordinary means are being uh, taken to protect them from any secondary uh, information about them. Sure. Other than just looking at their faces. And, and you can't take pictures in the courtroom. I'd hope they're taking extraordinary measures against that God, I, I mean sure hope. i hope they're taking like nsa level extraordinary measures because the drug cartels are good at what they do i would hate to see that and you just need one juror to hang a, a jury and then you could since you've served on a jury multiple imagine because she, i'm a good american she said some of those jurors were uh were crying over the idea of being on the jury imagine yeah. getting that deliberating room and you got one or two people who are just i don't i don't want to do it and they're crying what are you going to do with them how are you going to argue with somebody who says, I just don't want to convict them, I'm scared? You try very hard to gently get them over to your side. It's a negotiation. It's a counseling session. It's a screaming match at times. Depends. I can just imagine, a, this is maybe unfair, but I can just imagine a 50-year-old woman sitting there crying, saying, I'm not doing it. Right. Right. And you can understand her argument. Which is exactly the cartel's intention. Absolutely. And how they've gotten over for so long. Mm-hmm.
It's it's a lot like the Elliot Ness movie. At some point, you got to have some untouchables that are willing to uh, come forward. But similar to the Elliot Ness story, some of the untouchables got touched right before you far, finally brought down Capone. Anyway, that'll be an interesting trial to follow. We're going to go live to the border later this hour. Oh, and why Hillary might get locked up. Really? I'm not kidding. You just like the locker-up chant. A little bit. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hope all is well in your world, or at least, uh, you know, reasonably so. The loss of life probably done in the California wildfires for now, although the accounting of that loss goes on. Got this note from uh, Dave. I feel bad our ex-Navy SEAL Team 6 commander, Ryan Zinke. He is the, uh, the Secretary of the Interior. Ex-Navy SEAL Team 6 commander, Ryan Zinke. I feel bad he had to spend the day with our crazier-than-an-S-house rat governor of the failing state of California. I think I would have to resign the position of SEC of the Interior. Well, that'd be a, that'd be a big move, Dave. I don't think there's any reason to do that. Um, uh, California, actually, I just read, has a big budget surplus right now, which is not surprising given the taxes. The really fun part, and by fun I mean galling, horrific, and and probably criminal thing to watch will be uh, what's done with that money. <clears throat> Perhaps it will be used to prop up the idiot uh, bull spit train, which is so incredibly wildly over budget, um, it will never, never be built. Hillary Clinton must answer key email questions. A federal judge has ordered. This is not a throwback Lock Friday thing. In a minute. A I should have Sean start it just like he did in Cleveland, in that giant arena at the, tr- at the Trump convention. I feel like this is unfair that this gets brought up all the time. Well, it was just so fun. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. Sean started it. The crowd took it up. We're all together. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of unity we need in this divided world. The fact that you had a hand in the entire arena chanting, I just find it's <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Caught up in a mob. <laughs> Federal judge ordered former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to order five questions she has avoided for years about her use of private email servers to uh, conduct official U.S. diplomatic business. You Question got number mail. one. <laughs> Question number one. What was that green thing you hocked up? Oh, stop it. U.S. District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan on Wednesday gave Clinton 30 days to respond under oath to five questions. What, like wipe it with a cloth? Number one. What's the deal with you and Bill? Uh, no, here are the questions which were put to her nearly four years ago. Number three, what'd you do to Vince Foster? In a lawsuit filed by nonprofit government watchdog Judicial Watch. Finally, it, question number five, the pizza place. Oh, God, no, don't go there. The five questions are, one, who decided to create the Clinton One email, I'm sorry, ClintonOneMail.com system? Who the, decided to create it? Wondered that from the beginning. Two, when was it created? Three, why was it created? Four, who set it up? Five, when did it become operational? That's it. 
Very simple question. How can it be? Those questions haven't been answered yet. Yeah. And listen, I'm not crazed for, you know, hanging Hillary's hide on my wall, putting her head on my wall as some sort of trophy. I don't, the Clintons are a much bigger problem for the Democratic Party right now than they are for anybody else. Um, it does gall me, though, when the super powerful can avoid even answering legitimate questions posed by the American people. And maybe, and so listen, I understand there are bigger challenges for the Republic right now than what to do with Hillary Clinton. But it is astonishing, given the fact that the federal law is involved, that it's taken this long for a judge to order that. And whether it actually happens or not is, is in doubt. Uh, Sullivan, the judge, announced his decision from the bench rather than waiting to issue it in writing. An indication of the urgency he appears to attach to the case. He wanted everybody to know it and hear it. Is he afraid she's going to flee or what? The New York Times first exposed the secret email system again. three and a half years ago. Excuse me, the grown-ups are talking. She'll go for another long walk in the woods. That's right. Think about her loss. Um, then it goes over the whole Comey thing again. Uh, Judicial Watch has been hanging in on this for three and a half years now. The nonprofit watchdog is privately funded whereas Clinton has been defended at taxpayer expense by multiple attorneys from the Department of Justice and the Department of State. Which is another interesting uh, wrinkle in this. So I know that your um, uh, your plan is to, uh, you're going to eat moderately and uh, with, with conscience during the holiday season you, so, you can, so you can lord it over other people? Yes. Which is a well, good plan. Yes, I'm going to adopt a special diet, and I'm going to bring it up all the time when other people are eating. I did the opposite, as a lot of people do. I think this is a relatable, as we say in the business, where we get to this time of year and, and people start to just let themselves go with the whole eating because there's so much stuff around. I may have hit bottom last night, though. I'm looking for happiness in the bottom of a pie tin, and I'm not finding it. Wow. I need to turn to religion or yoga or something. (laughs) Is this PA, Pies Anonymous? It might be. Wow. Looking for happiness in the bottom of a Costco pie tin. (laughs) Wow. But I just, I just, if I could get my wife to stop making yummy food or buying yummy food, she either makes it or buys it. Just the lead up to the, the, the amount of food she makes leading up to Thanksgiving. It really doesn't need a lead-up. No, it doesn't. She does, like, practice pies, doesn't she? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Wants to make sure the one on Thanksgiving Day is perfect. And if you're the sort of person that can... If you can not eat great homemade food, good for you. You're you're better than me. You're better than me. (laughs) I'll take just a little sliver. Just that and savor every bite. (laughs) You can always bring them in to work, Jack. That's what I really should do. I really should do. Nah, invite me over. I'll sit there at the table saying, boy, those rolls, a lot of carbs, a lot of starch. I mean, not a lot of useful calories there. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Michael Avenatti's top client is threatening to kick him to the curb. California Senator Presidential Aspirant Kamala Harris catching a lot of heat for her recent performance. And we've got new warnings about driverless cars. Something you probably have not thought of yet. No sweet potatoes for me. I'm a paleo guy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. to the U.S.-Mexico border in just a few minutes as the caravan has arrived. But first, first an exciting announcement. 
finally, after years of your pleadings, there's Armstrong and Getty gear you can buy. T-shirts, uh, hoodies, coffee mugs. Are there oven mitts? we got to get oven mitts. <laughs> yeah. We really have to have oven mitts. But there's a lot of stuff you can give to your friends and family for Christmas and stuff like that. Finally, just go to armstrongandgetty.com. There's a clear link right there. Uh, order and give generously, won't you? We do have breaking news we got to get to. Marshall Phillips. Indeed, get out the breaking news donkey, breaking news donkey. When news breaks, the donkey breaks. This just in, a federal judge in Washington is ordering the Trump administration to immediately return the White House press credentials of CNN reporter Jim Acosta. That is shocking to me. I've got to hear the reasoning on this. I've got to hear the reasoning on this. I can't wait to hear. CNN had asked that Acosta's credentials be returned while a lawsuit over their revocation goes forward, so he is saying you need to give them back. You can find a judge to declare puppies not cute. It'll be interesting to see what judge, what court, (laughs) and and whether it stands up. Well, I'm not a lawyer. It's a preliminary ruling. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know much about anything, as anybody who listens to the show knows. But CNN has 50 White House credentials. Something like that, yeah. Um, And one guy really acted up. uh, You're not welcome anymore. The White House can't do that. Well, then I'm showing up today. So your organization can still send somebody, just not that person. Right. So I don't know how that's denying anything. Interesting side note to all this. U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Kelly, who made the ruling, is a Trump appointee. So he is is interesting there. Marshall, I expect you to read, digest, and regurgitate the the ruling at your earliest opportunity. If you can behave however you want, and legally the White House can't do anything about it, how out of control could press conferences get? Uh, They'd be tough to turn off. I mean, if you can stand there and you won't stop talking. Right. And you fend off a young woman who tries to take the microphone. And you're not asking questions. You're debating the right. president over policy. Right. I mean, if you can do all those things and a judge says, no, you got to keep them there. Well, how out of control could they get? Right. Right. Spook-filled skies around the West as fire crews work to get a handle on the wildfires burning in California. Authorities working on the deadly campfire now say more than 630 people could be missing. That's a huge jump. Over the 130 reported missing most of the week. The increase, the sheriff says, is based on the number of people who called 911 when the fire started and have not checked in yet. In addition to the missing, seven more people were confirmed dead yesterday, raising the number killed in the fire to 63. And for folks who ought to check in, how do they do that again? You go to the uh, Butte you, County Sheriff's website. You can, yeah, okay. You can, yeah, just Google or, or Bing or uh, right. Duck, Duck, Go, Butte County Sheriff. It'll get you there. All right, porn star Stormy Daniels says she's going to drop Michael Avenatti as her lawyer of domestic violence charges against him prove true. Daniels uh, telling NBC News she's not jumping to any conclusions yet, but called the accusations serious and very troubling. You know, when I first heard this, I thought, oh, my gosh, Stormy Daniels. Well, so she'll get rid of him if it turns out he beats women. Well, I would hope you would. Yes. So, the, what a brave so you're gesture. saying you're not going to keep him as your lawyer if it turns out he, uh, he beats women. Okay, Michael Avenatti, not respectable enough for porn. California Democratic Senator Kamala Harris is being slammed for comparing ICE to the KKK. Oh, my God. During a hearing on Capitol Hill, Harris asked President Trump's nominee to lead ICE, Ronald uh, Vitello, if the agency was spreading fear and mistrust the same way the KKK did. I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about perception. officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. 
I, I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as, in, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a rights. perception? I see no. Are you aware that there's a that perception? Puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. There is a perception that you are working desperately to create, Kamala. You, that's your electoral strategy to whip up as much fear and, and hatred of the legitimate enforcement of law as you can. That's a really popular thing for the the left uh, chunk of the Democratic Party. I was going to say half, but I don't know what the percentage is. Um, yes? I, I feel like there are some valid arguments to at least reducing ICE, but the fact that they are perceived to be the KKK doesn't seem to be one of yeah, them. Yeah, actually, Tucker Carlson made some uh, arguments about this was created after 9-11. It's another thing. It duplicates something else. Federal There's, government's yeah. rife with redundancy. Yeah. Sure, let's yeah. have that yeah. discussion. Yeah, but the whole uh, KKK argument, that is uh, that is not popular. That, that does not poll well, um, that doing away with ICE. Right. It's not even close. Well, and that was just morally issue. reprehensible. An apparent mistake in a court filing is revealing federal prosecutors have indeed filed charges against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. His name came up in an unrelated case, has nothing to do with the release of thousands of classified documents in 2010. It also is not related, they're saying, now to the special counsel's investigation into Russian interference in the presidential election. The Wall Street Journal reporting last night the U.S. is getting ready to prosecute Assange and is confident of getting him to stand trial. Does he ever leave that Ecuadorian embassy? Does he throw on his sunglasses and hat and sneak out the back door sometimes? Go out for a pint? He looks like the kind of guy that could spend a lot of time indoors. Hunched over a yeah. keyboard. I was at a doctor's office for several hours yesterday. Fabulous docs, but it was one of those places where, you know, they do this, then you wait for 40 minutes, then mm. you do that, and then you wait for half an hour more. I was walking back, and I was looking at the diplomas on the wall. I was just, I can't. The guy's got to be bored to tears. I don't care if he's got the internet. Well, looky lose may have something else to stare at on the highways while they're driving in the future. A new paper in the Annals of Tourism Research says that driverless cars will lead to more people having sex on the road. Oh no. It appears. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of it, but that's clearly true. Right. It argues you needed the annal, the unfortunately named annals of something or other, to tell us that. Yes, the annals. Isn't that of, self-evident? Annals of tourism research, and uh, the other thing that they're talking about is okay. So once we get the driverless cars uh, floating around the roads, then uh, that uh, could see uh, help promote a, an explosion of prostitution. How how long will what? It, wait? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. What? What? Yes. what? Wait. Why? The, the theory being that this is now an out-of-sight place that you right. can turn tricks. Oh, okay. so the the, uh, the sex worker would jump in your car. You don't need to pay attention to what you're doing. So, the, oh, I see. Right, right. Um, but how we're quite a ways off before we get to driverless cars where you you don't need to pay any attention at all, right. aren't we? Right. Well, that's why it's important we plan ahead, Jack. I, for the it, brave new world of self-driving car hose. <laughs> Understanding people as I do, there will also be this weird gray area where we're not quite ready for that, but people are like, eh, we're close enough, and they just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well said. There you go, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. Man, that'll change drinking, won't it? Oh, yeah. Is Positive Sean trying to suggest that people will do something unwise while driving <laughs> that diverts their attention from the road? Do people understand how dangerous that is? That's This is mostly nighttime stuff we're talking about. How about the morning stuff of being able to work, actually be productive during that half hour or two hours, depending where you live? Oh, yeah. Would it's love a it. Huge deal. 
So the caravan, which doesn't exist, is now at the border, being joined by dozens or hundreds more every day. We'll have a reporter who's camped out there, keeping an eye on things, reporting. Yeah, from the scene, on the way, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. southern Mexico in the state of Oaxaca. Despite the framing of the caravan as being full of women and children, the reality on the ground is quite different. Approximately 90 to 95 percent of the migrants were male. The major narrative being pushed by the press has been that the migrants are leaving Honduras because they're escaping extreme violence and that their lives are under constant threat, setting up the strategy that they would be able to enter the U.S. by asking for asylum. Why are you coming to America? And then he uh, interviews a number of people who say, oh, yeah, to get a job for a better life, which is admirable. And I'd do the same thing. I would, too. It uh, it runs rather uh, strongly counter to a lot of the uh, mainstream media's narrative. However, there's more of that video we'll play for you later on. So the caravan or part of the caravan or a different caravan has arrived at the border. Yep. Tijuana and are uh, engaged in various uh, uh, tomfoolery, including just camping out and waiting for other folks to show up. Amanda Schatzky of CBS News 8 in San Diego joins us now to describe the scene. Hello, Amanda. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Please, uh, what's happening now? Well, right now we're at the San Ysidro Port of Entry. For people who don't know, that is one of the ports of entry uh, that borders with San Diego and with Tijuana. This is where we're seeing a large presence of those migrants coming in. Now, what we saw, we've been here all week long, and we saw a large military presence uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, They were setting up barricades. They were setting up wire fencing, preparing for this large influx of people. It's not that way today. I can tell you on the U.S. side, that's where we are. It's not that way today. But we do have a photographer on the ground in Tijuana. He's been feeding video and pictures of the situation, and it is chaos. There are huge crowds. Hundreds of people coming in at a time. Yesterday, 800 people came in. Um, and we have been hearing of men, women, and children who have been arriving there. I, I heard the piece that you were playing earlier um, about the 95% being male. We have seen men, women, and children sure. arriving um, as well. Um, uh, when you said, huge... I'm sorry, when you said yesterday 800 people came in, do you mean got across and we couldn't stop them or that was part of a process coming in absolutely not they have not gotten across 800 have arrived in tijuana and they are now somewhat camped in front of the u.s mexico border entry and that's the big problem that's where the chaos comes in there's no there's a strain on resources and shelters where to place everybody yeah, I understand there's a fair amount of controversy in Tijuana, too, where uh, locals are shouting at them to go home because they're ruining the neighborhood. But putting that aside, um, it, there were some hijinks the other day where folks were uh, on the top of the fence taunting Border Patrol and chucking various things. Is that settled down at all? We have not seen that today. That was an issue a few days ago with people finally arriving in this area. And I don't know what their methods were, what they wanted to do, but they 
they did climb up a portion of the border fence. They were waving around. Um, as far as we know, nobody was arrested or taken into custody for it, but we haven't seen that since then. And you said that there isn't a notable U.S. military presence. Is the uh, Border Patrol in heavier numbers than usual there in San Ysidro? So let me say that they are here. There is a military presence. We haven't seen them on the, where we are standing okay. um, as much as in the days past. Earlier this week, it was apparent. There were um, armored vehicles. There were troops walking around. Um, they've seemed to have set up a fencing. They've set up uh, cement barriers, wire fencing, and now they've, you know, moved it. But there are, we know that there's, I believe, uh, 1,100 U.S. military troops just stationed in San Diego alone, so the, just for this reason. So the people that made it to the border, are they the front edge of a long line that we're going to see more coming, like, today and tomorrow, or or not? So what we are hearing is, and we've seen them come in and, you know, staggered groups. Like I said, there was 800 yesterday. What we're hearing from volunteers and organizers of the caravan uh, that there's expected to be about 4,000 coming into Tijuana uh, over the next weekend, starting today. Wow, that's amazing. Amanda Shotsky of CBS News 8, the clear uh, leader in TV news in San Diego. Amanda, thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. Great to talk to you as well. Well done. So, the non-existent more. caravan is uh, at a thousand-ish and soon to be four or five thousand. That should be getting more national attention, and uh, and and also, you pointed this out through the whole when Trump was talking about it every day, and, mm-hmm. I, and then I heard the numbers again yesterday. This is number of people is 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 similar to what you get in a week or two, always. Yes. That's the way our border is always. It's a big problem. Yeah. There are probably 2,000 people who sneak in every single day. It's something the federal government really should deal with. Right. Which equals 700-some thousand every single year. And and listen, a lot of people uh, in the media in particular try to pretend that the caravan didn't exist or it was purely an electoral issue. Listen, of course it was a, a really handy electoral focus point for the president. It was actually kind of a good publicity stunt for Republicans in a way, but very few things are all one thing or all another. Yeah, the president got some mileage out of it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist or it's not important. We have broken immigration policies. We have tens of thousands of people who are now well rehearsed. They know exactly what to say to get refugee status, even though they're kind of -of run-of-the-mill immigrants who are just looking for a better life and a better job, which, again, I don't hate them for that. I'd do the same thing. But we, as a sovereign nation, need to be able to control it. So, yeah, there's a little truth on both sides, but the idea that 5,000 people can show up to the border and bully their way in and demand to be let in is ridiculous. And, And remember... This is all organized by the Pueblo Sin Fronteras people, which is a hardcore no-borders organization. The millions of dollars, the thousands of vehicles, the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands of meals, the porta-potties, all of the logistics, it didn't fall out of thin air. It's all planned. Um, it would appear to me from uh, looking at the TV screens that it's movie season. Sean, you're big into the movie thing. Is it just when big blockbusters come out, or is there a big push for Oscars going on, or what? I keep seeing ads for lots of big blockbusters and Oscar uh, talk. Well, yeah, this is... And the, a lot of people might be going to movies over Thanksgiving and that sort of and thing. And Christmas. So October acts as kind of a buffer month in between the summer blockbuster things and kind of the prestige Oscar bait that's coming out in November, December. 
Um, so, so yeah, a lot of... So this is when the, the Oscar bait, you call it, is yeah. coming out. I just saw an ad for a movie where it said it has the ability to change lives, which I, I don't know what the movie Finally. is. Finally. Well, well, I have two less hours now. I find that <laughs> changed your life. I find that to be uh, a little bit of an overstatement. <laughs> so you get your picture, your summer blockbusters and your 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 uh, holiday blockbusters, and these are the holiday blockbusters. Um, all the ads I'm seeing are for some pretty um, like serious looking movies, not like superheroes smashing buildings down or something like that. I'm going to the Harry Potter magic movie. That's what I like. I want to see the Gary Hart movie. I'm a political n- nerd. I would like to see that. I won't because I have kids, but. I would like to see it. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the front runner, which looks pretty good with Ethan Hawke as uh, Gary Hart running for president in 1988. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then I guess Ethan Hawke's in the other movie. That's the movie that could change lives that I just saw an ad for. I don't know what it was. Boy revisited, or that's some boy or something like that. Yeah, boy erased. I believe. There you a go. Young lad comes out and is disowned by his parents. Or oh, something. that's what it's about. Yeah. Then and, and, and there's a certain sympathy for that. And, oh, I see. Yeah, I see what they mean a lot by of change play. lives. There you yeah. Go. yeah. Uh, so when are oh, you yeah, going to give us what people are uh, Googling about uh, Thanksgiving? I was just looking at the You're list, You're holding Joe. out on me. Get the, get, give me a helping. What your state is Googling about Thanksgiving. Give me an extra big slice of that feature. Alabama, Indiana, Georgia, and Kentucky are mostly Googling what restaurants are open on Thanksgiving near me. <laughs> oh! Oh, that's just sad. Lazy. Going to a restaurant. <laughs> Lazy! It's mostly the South. Lazy Southerners. I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. What? I resent that. Are, to- are some toilet bowls too short for some men? What does that even mean, and how does it factor in with the current acting attorney general? What? Yes. 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 The toilet height and the attorney general all coming together on the Armstrong and Getty Show.